Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Chapter 9. Theory. Can I ask just one more? I pleaded as Edward accelerated much too quickly down the quiet street. He didn't seem to be paying any attention to the road. He sighed. One, he agreed. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Meredith Goldstein. I can't even get through reading a sentence of this book without laughing. Sorry. <laughs> and this is Hot and Bothered, Twilight and Quarantine. Meredith, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast today. You are the host of Love Letters, the podcast, and the writer of the Love Letters column on the Boston Globe. You are an author. I have read two of your books. Are there only two? There are three, but one I wrote a long time ago. It came out in 2012. So, and there's no homework. You don't have to read all my books. Well, I love the two that I've read, so I should probably read your third. I read and loved Chemistry Lessons and Can't Help Myself. What's your third book that I haven't read? I wrote a book called The Singles, which came out in 2012, and it was very much based on my many years of going to weddings by myself. And it's about five single guests at a wedding. And what is relevant now that I'm saying it is that I named one character Rob because at the time, a person who was on my mind a lot was Robert Pattinson. And it all comes back to a book called Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) So I will say you are the person who opened my eyes to the possibility of Twilight being more than just like a true guilty pleasure. So do you mind telling everybody a little bit about your relationship to this book? Sure. I mean, you know, I came to Twilight actually through the film because my mother, my late mother, who was a piano teacher, all of her piano students at one point came to her and said, I want to play Claire de Lune. And they wanted to know more about Debussy. And my mother called me and she said, there is this movie and book called Twilight. And she called it Piano Teacher Porn. And that was our joke, which was that these kids were so excited about playing piano because a very cool vampire was playing piano. So I saw the movie. I fell very in love with Catherine Hardwick's adaptation of the story. I loved what she did. And then I read the book. And You know, I know there are a lot of people who have negative feelings about Twilight. Some of them I completely understand and agree with. But I was really just so delighted and charmed by 
this story of this family, right? It's like chosen family and the Cullens were really interesting to me. And as my mom was diagnosed with cancer and got sick and things were really difficult, not shockingly, the romance novel we turned to, because that's what you do, you turn to romance novels, was the whole Twilight series and we found a lot of comfort in it. Yeah, and that's the question that I keep asking myself because these books are so problematic. Yes. The question I keep asking myself is, what's the fantasy here? And then sometimes I don't need to ask myself the question. I just totally get it. I'm like, oh, the fantasy is that you can walk down an alley and even if you run into a gang of rapists who are hurting you, you will be saved. Yes. Even though I'm sitting here being like, ugh, this is so problematic. Why is she always falling? There are moments where I'm like, no, I totally get it, and I love it. I mean, there are guilty pleasure things I love about it, and then there are not-so-guilty pleasures I love about it, right? There are certainly a lot of problematic controlling. You know, Edward is really, um, that line between stalking and caring is is very blurry in ways I'm deeply uncomfortable with. I think at first, my mom and I, well, we liked Robert Pattinson and his hair. But after that, after the superficial stuff, we loved the idea that, at a moment where my mom was sick and all we were desperate for was time, that here were people who had lived hundreds of years in some cases and could learn to play the piano or read a bunch of books or become a doctor because they had all the time in the world. And we also liked the idea that someone who felt imposter syndrome in life could find a world where she found her people who brought out the best in her. And that's the sort of positive spin I can make, you know, reading this book and actually listening to you guys talking about Bella and her way of speaking about her peers, young women in her class, even the the young men in her class, where she's sort of eye-rolling and ungrateful for their attention. Some of that just drives me up the wall. But my mother loved the friendship with Alice and Bella. I think for my mother, she had trouble making friends when she was younger. She was like the first mom to get divorced on our block, and and that made her a little bit of an outcast. And the idea that, well, maybe none of these people are great for me, but if I could find an Alice, then I have a BFF, right? So we would take these pieces from the book that we loved. I think also it was the first young adult book I had read in a long time where the heroine of the book was like, I find him super attractive. I want to make out with him. I am into him. And there was like no shaming of that. I mean, Edward is has got all sorts of baggage about that, but she's just unabashedly attracted to him without apology. And that I was interested in too. Yeah, I really appreciate a lot of the reframing that you're doing for me because I think that I have been really put off by Bella's sense of exceptionalism, of like saying, I'm different, I'm different, I'm different. But it's okay to to want to find really proper fits for yourself, I think is a, a healthy reframing. And I think it's a young person's experience too, right? Where you're like, no one understands how weird this is, right? She lived in Phoenix where she didn't feel like she belonged there. She is suddenly in a place where she feels like she also doesn't belong. Like I remember walking through high school being like, no one gets it. No one is experiencing my internal pain. And in fact, literally everyone, including the teachers, were experiencing that same pain. So I think there's like an adolescent exceptionalism of no one gets it that can be pretty common and that you get over and you say, wow, we're actually going through this together. I love that. That's really, really helpful. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So now the most important question that I have for you is, do you want to go first in the 30-second recap or second in the 30-second recap? I want to go second. I'm so intimidated. I will bravely lead the way. Courageous. And you are going to find that you go very fast like Edward's driving. (laughs) I will start in three, two, one. So basically the two of them just drive. Edward is driving her home from Port Angeles. And I think it's supposed to take like over an hour, but it takes them 20 minutes because he goes 100 miles an hour, which she really doesn't like. She, like, gets to ask him all these questions. He admits that he's a vampire. He tells her, like, but I don't want to drink blood, human blood, but I'm very tempted to drink your human blood. You should stay away from me. And she's like, but I'm not going to stay away from you. She's really, he's tempted to touch her, but he withholds. And then she goes home to Charlie. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Don't be nervous. Okay. As long as you don't fall flat on your face, you're doing better than Bella. (laughs) You're right. Okay. Okay. On your mark, get set, go. Somehow knowing that her uh, stomach is completely full of mushroom ravioli. Bella asks a lot of questions of Edward. Are you a vampire? Are you a vampire? And he finally is like, basically. But then he's like, but I don't want to be bad. And that's why I eat animals. And he basically confirms every single secret that she so astutely Googled previously. And is like, stay away from me. Stay away from me. Don't stay away from me. Stay away from me. Stay away from me. And then they get home really quickly because he could not adhere to human laws like a speed limit. And her dad's a cop. You did a nearly perfect job. The only thing I would correct is that she didn't Google. She asked Jeeves. She did ask Jeeves. I I stand corrected. Early days of of internet searches. You are totally right. I mean, not to teach the teacher, but excuse me. (laughs) I love this chapter because it's just like that first date car ride where you're just like, what do you like? What No, what do you like? But it's far more important than that, obviously. I will also say that the last lines of this chapter are the lines that made it to the back cover of this book. Oh, yes. At least my copy. So I was so excited to do this chapter because, you know, she ends this chapter by saying, I know this guy is hot. I know this guy's a vampire and I know I'm completely in love with him. That's not quite word for word. She doesn't say this guy's hot, but she's basically like, whatever it is, I don't care. I'm all in. And that was so significant that it's on the back cover of the book from chapter nine. That's so interesting that you outline that because I 
hated those last three lines. But what I did love in this chapter, I loved a couple of things. One, I loved when he says to her, I followed your scent. <laughs> I was like, that's so weird. And I'm so into it. I love that Bella asks for what she needs. She's like, you should call me. I also missed you. Like, she asserts herself in this chapter in a way that I haven't seen her do in the previous chapters. And I was like, good. She's like starting to feel comfortable around him and demand things of him and say, like, you promised you would answer this question. She tells him that his driving makes her uncomfortable. I love that. I think you're totally right. Like the agency she takes in this chapter is really different. I mean, she goes from trying to look cool to everybody to be like, whatever, I like you, slow down and please call me. Yeah. I guess I also really love the moment where she doesn't take his jacket. It made her seem in control of herself. I just remember a boy lent me his jacket when I was in high school. And I was simultaneously so embarrassed to wear it home in front of my parents because I knew they'd ask. And yet I couldn't get myself to not wear it home. I remember being like, I should leave it in my locker so my parents don't ask. But then I was just like so touched that Adam gave me his jacket that I couldn't not wear it home. So I, I just had such respect for Bella to be like, no, take it. I don't want Charlie to see. I think there's also this fun thing, and this is in romance novels in general, where authors describe the perfect way someone smells. And I notice in romance novels, it's often like smoke, but also this kind of food or like, oh, there was like the, the hint of masculinity, but also with a pear. Like they need to, and, <laughs> and in this, it's like, no, it just smelled like exquisite. I can't remember the words she uses, but it's if I could bottle whatever I think Stephanie Meyer thinks Edward smells like, like, what would that be? What does this jacket smell like? And I remember for The Globe, I did a story about the actress who plays the girl werewolf, Julia Jones, who's actually from Boston. And I looked at her and I said, what does Robert Pattinson smell like? This was like so many years ago. And she said, why? And I said, well, I know he's not really Edward Cullen, but like, you talk about Edward Cullen and how he smells. And I just like, what does he smell like? What does the actor smell like? And she sort of paused and she said, I don't know, like cigarettes? <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, this was years and years ago. Maybe he doesn't anymore. But especially as somebody with allergies who doesn't smell that well to begin with, I want to know, like, what does that hero smell like? And that jacket must smell like pure heaven. It is funny the way that romance novels can treat men's smell like wine, right? Yes. Like the way that people are like, it's oaky. <laughs> it's oaky. He's a, he's a little oaky. He's rich. Yeah. <laughs> so the last three lines of the chapter, though, are where my first piece of advice comes in. And I'm just going to read them. But I'm going to read them off the back of the book because here they are. They're sort of the thesis statement of the novel. And it's about three things I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Fine. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. And I guess my piece of advice is like, this sounds like it could be an abusive relationship. My understanding, my like cursory understanding of abusive relationships is that they are basically predicated on the abuser being unreliable and the abused being 
completely reliable, right? So the abuser is going to be nice to you sometimes, mean to you other times, withdrawn from you sometimes, effusive other times. And what is more unknowable than if he is going to thirst for you so much that he kills you? And I think the rest of his behavior is really all over the place, right? Where he disappears for days and then it turns out he's following her. Where he talks to her and then stops talking to her for six weeks and then can't help but talk to her. And so I want Bella to be in conversation with as many people as possible about this relationship because I love the idea of really passionate love. I don't love the idea of unconditional or irrevocable love. I do think there should be limits, right? Absolutely. And I think that having people in her life who aren't him, that's the most important thing. You you see how isolated she is in this moment. She's not going to tell her friends about him, not really. She's going to keep this away from her father. At the moment, she speaks to no one about what's actually happening in her life. And that's a really scary thing. So I totally echo that advice. And I also have a little bit of advice for Edward. (laughs) So it's really difficult to read this chapter and not get really frustrated for a number of reasons. This weird routine he does about stay away from me, don't stay away from me. At this reading, and it's been years since I've really sat down with the text in this way, the fact that he so casually insults her, in some ways he's seeing her as an equal, some someone he can't get around her mind, right? On the other hand, he's constantly like, you're a mess. You can't stand up straight. And he basically criticizes her ability to protect herself. And not like a man of 100 plus years really should, like learn the lesson that if you're going to pursue someone, stop telling her she's bad at things. When a woman looks at you and says, I don't like that you drive 100 miles an hour, Instead of saying, like, no, I'm cool with it, I get it, hear her, respect her, and don't make a joke of it. So I find that Edward's humor about her fragility, I find it to be super patronizing and troubling. And, like, inaccurate, right? She's kept herself alive for 17 years. He's the most dangerous thing in her life. Yes, and she is actually, despite being kind of a not-the-most-enticing heroine character, you know, you look at her and you say, oh, wow, like you have been forced into some adult decisions that other kids your age don't have to make. And instead of recognizing and praising that in the right ways, because I think he does know it. He knows it when he talks to her about that kind of thing after the lab scene. He he doesn't celebrate it to her. He's sort of like, what is that concept? Like negging, right? Like, I'm just going to like cut you down a little bit and that that making you feel that much more vulnerable and into me. And that's abusive too, right? So I think here's a character on Edward's side who is really wrestling with an attachment and love for someone that he's deeply afraid he's going to hurt. And he doesn't handle it well. And with all vampire characters, whether it's Stephanie Meyer and Rice, you know, all of these authors who take this on, you always wonder, does the maturity freeze too? Is this going to be a 17-year-old boy forever? It's hard to say with this. There are moments when Edward seems like 100, and there are other times when you're like, dude... (laughs) So that's my advice is like, Edward, get over yourself, put your foot on the brake, believe the woman who's sitting next to you, and stop telling her she's bad at things. So my second piece of advice is also about Edward's driving. 
I just feel like he doesn't understand that he's like a part of a greater society. He's like forgotten. So just because he knows that he won't get into a car accident doesn't mean that it's okay that he's driving 100 miles an hour. Like if you see someone driving 100 miles an hour and not getting in trouble, you are more likely to speed. And I don't think that he understands that he is in an ecosystem where even if his actions don't directly cause an accident, they are making Bella uncomfortable. They are still making the roads less safe. It's like he believes that because he's a vampire and because he and the Cullens live a separate life, that he's not having an impact in the world. And I also feel like that comes across when he jokingly calls himself a vegetarian. I'm like, no, you're super not. You're killing a lot of animals. Yes. I like get it, but no. Yeah. No, you're totally right. That's a great... If I saw somebody speeding to that level, I might even call law enforcement in a way that like takes people's time and energy that they shouldn't take. It's just like so dumb. I feel like he needs to read some Kant. You know, like Kant's idea of you shouldn't cross the grass because then it creates permission for everyone to cross the grass and we will all trample the grass. Like Edward does not seem to have any base understanding of that. Once again, after 100 years, you think he'd know. Right? Like, in all this time that he's been playing Claire de Lune, hasn't he had time to read some, like, moral philosophy? Over and philosoph- over and over. <laughs> like, read some moral <laughs> philosophy, dude. Right. Watch The Good Place. <laughs> yes, yes. Moral philosophy has been made fun. What is your second piece of advice? My second piece of advice is for Bella. You know, the irony is that Edward can read minds, except for Bella's. Bella can't read minds, and yet she's constantly trying to get in the heads of everyone else. And she is looking at him and saying, you you dazzle people. She's constantly concerned about how other people perceive her or him. And she's probably wrong. Like, there are many time, points in this book where I'm like, listen, you're with some guy and you're like, I am with the hottest guy ever. Everybody wants him. I'm not good enough. And it's like, no one's looking at you. <laughs> So this is just sort of a general piece of advice for Bella, which is that like what's important to you might not be important to somebody else. For some people, Emmett is the hottest Cullen and that is the end of this story, right? So just to get a broader picture of what's happening here and to never get so far into the weeds of Edward being the center of the universe. He's one of five Cullen children and Hale children. (laughs) Oh my God, I love this advice so much. I have a friend who always thinks that people are into her husband. And I'm like, (laughs) just say it. Like, you're into it. Like, people aren't into your husband all the time, and you get off on thinking that they are. And I feel like Bella just needs to admit she loves feeling exceptional. She loves feeling exceptionally klutzy. She loves feeling exceptionally phoenix. She loves feeling like an exceptional reader. Whole libraries and bookstores aren't good enough for her. And she loves thinking that she got the most exceptional guy that literally everyone wants. This waitress might just be annoyed in the previous chapter that, like, someone's taking up her table and not ordering food. And therefore, she's not going to get a good tip. And that's why she's staring at him. She's like, dude, order. I love the idea of that waitress leaving the restaurant that night and being picked up by her girlfriend. That's always what I imagined. (laughs) Yes. She's only, like, Piss. She's like another freaking rich white dude sitting at my table, <laughs> not understanding that tips are based on how much you order. God. 
Right. And like this idea that he's like, I need a better table, right? Here's a little cash. And he looks 17. That must be so annoying. And is in like beige on beige. I waitressed for years. I'd have hated him. And then I was like, and of course you're in love with this girl who's like starving herself. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This waitress hates Edward. Absolutely. (laughs) And Bella's just projecting. God. Solved. (laughs) So we always say we don't just give advice. We give like really practical items to help Bella through the world. So we put things in a care package and send those to her. So what would you like to put in Bella's care package? Oh, this is tough. Um, The world's largest (laughs) seatbelt. Like actually one of those harnesses like you wear (laughs) on a roller coaster. Yes. I know that we always put things in Bella's care package and I have something for her care package, but I really want to get Edward a pair of beige leather driving gloves. Oh, that's so nice of you. They would go with his outfit. And really, I just like want him to like fully lean into his like ridiculous fashion aesthetic, which I think includes driving gloves. I love that. And, you know, thinking about what you said about Edward and and speed in general, it would be great if he had the technology of an app like Waze, because Mm -hmm. then he could like really consider the other cars on the road, how fast he's going, how he's changing other people's journeys. Like, I would really love to see a situation where Waze is telling Edward where to go and letting him know that he's driving like not a very nice vampire. Like a dick. (laughs) Exactly. So what I want to put in Bella's care package is a backpack, Hmm. a like matching beige leather backpack, like a fashion backpack, not that she uses for school, but that she uses as her purse. And I think in that backpack, she should just like be leaving things like Z bars and like handfuls of raisins and like lots of layers because her temperature vacillates a lot. And like she wouldn't have to deal with this whole thing of having left her jacket in Jessica's car. It's much sturdier. She can run from people or fight them better. I just think like a fashion forward, awesome backpack would be a great aesthetic and accessory for Bella. What you've just described with his riding gloves being tan to match his outfit and her beige backpack, I'm starting to remember Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake in matching denim. Yes. That this would be like the Edward and Bella version of that, that they would just be like fully decked out and ready to go out together looking not at all inconspicuous, but quite (laughs) conspicuous. Although leather isn't great in the rain. True. Matching umbrella. Yes. Beige. A beige umbrella. So, Meredith, I have not read these books. Can I tell you what I think is going to happen in the next chapter, though? Tell me. I think that Charlie, because he is a sheriff, is going to investigate what's going on. He knows that something is amiss with his daughter, and he is going to go and try to kill Edward. But Edward will kill Charlie, and then Bella's going to have to forgive Edward. But because she loves him unconditionally, she'll be fine with it. That is a jump. (laughs) Is that not what happens? I'm going to say you're probably wrong. (laughs) No! Is Charlie such a bad police officer that he, like, doesn't understand what's going on in his own home? Is that a metaphor for how clueless dads are? Charlie is, like, he's, like, my favorite cliche 
YA book dad. And I say that with love because I have also in chemistry lessons written a cliche YA book dad, right? Who's like, I'm a good dad. I'm just doing my best, right? Where like you have these parents who are involved in a narrative just enough, but not too much where they take away the agency of the young person. So Charlie's just, you know, he wants to go fish. He wants to live his life. (laughs) Totally unobservant. I just am worried that there could be like a huge like crystal meth problem in Forks and Charlie's just like such a bad police officer that like he would he would not know I'm telling you right off the bat he would not know Charlie would absolutely miss that yeah that makes me sad for the city of Forks well Meredith thank you so so much this was just such a pleasure can you tell people all the places that they can find you and your work Well, I have to tell you that if you are enjoying Twilight at all, there is a chapter in my memoir, Can't Help Myself, about Twilight and about my mother and about how Twilight, you know, sort of ruined my brain or helped it for a bit. Um, So you might like Can't Help Myself, but mostly you might like the Love Letters podcast where people tell their love and breakup stories in fun narratives and it is escapism in a different kind of way. I love that podcast. Well, this has been Twilight in Quarantine, a Kantian expedition from Hot and Bothered. This episode and all episodes are executive produced by Ariana Nettleman and produced by Ariana Martinez. The show was conceived of as a vampire baby by Julia Argy, and I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and I'm just reading along. We are a production of Not Sorry Productions and are distributed by Acast. A special thanks this week to Meredith Goldstein, and we will talk to you soon. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.